Welcome to episode 007 of Shoulder to Shoulder LAFC Podcast. This is your host, Chris, with my co-host, Christian. And in studio today, we have the Lord Commander, Ricardo Escutia. Uh, thank you very much for being in studio with us today. We uh, really appreciate it. But, uh, you know, before we get into that, let's talk about the 4-1 victory that we had against Portland Timbers at the bank this past Sunday. And it was an amazing atmosphere. Yeah, I know. Uh LAFC, you know, put it to them. Uh, they they dominated possession this game. 60-40 is what it was. And, you know, we really, really had a treat of a game. 4-1, uh, like uh, most experienced that were there. But uh, one of the things I, I wanted to mention was shortly after the LAFC scored their goal, Portland scored their goal. And how did that make you feel, Chris? You know what? Uh... I mean, you know, it brought back some of the worries that we've talked about from last season about how we either give up a goal in the last 10 minutes or we tend to give up a goal soon after we score a goal. And uh, I think that to a lot of fans that might know that uh, aspect of the club from last season, uh, they were pleasantly relieved, as I was, that they got a goal just before halftime and it took the momentum into the locker room and it showed when they came out because they just continued to show their dominance in the match by getting another two goals. Yeah, no, Portland didn't even let us enjoy Mark Anthony Kay's first goal back for more than 15 minutes. You know, we were trying to cheer him on. He was quite the performer and then they scored that second goal. But I think we kept plugging away, finding the overloads on the on the on the wings and with Harvey, you know, pushing up Carlos Vela finding him from the top of the 18 into uh, the corner of the 18, put that ball across. And Christian Ramirez put in quite the work rate um, and got in between two defenders and slid in for that second goal right before the half. So, no, I agree with you. I think last year, even in the stadium, you felt a nervous energy, right? You felt this, um, what's going to happen because they've tied us before and we're not able to close out games. So getting that momentum back right before the half was was a great thing. Yeah, and you know, um, I mean, another thing that happened in this match, the same thing has happened with sporting, was the fact that w there was another red card for the visiting team and that they had somebody um, ejected and that the you know the Timbers only had 10, 10 guys. Yeah, and 72nd minute. That's when that, that second yellow happened with a red card. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's, it's crazy because there was a lot of other um, tackles early on in the game that I felt like could have been yellow cards from my vantage point. And when I went back and actually watched it again on TV, I still felt that, I mean, some of them I took away and I was like, okay, that wasn't that bad of a tackle, but uh, there were still some cards or some cards that I felt weren't issued that should have been. Right. And even Blessing got one. I thought that was a little soft, but if he was going to get a yellow for his tackle outside the box um, when he came in for beta short, because he had concussion like symptoms, um, I thought there should have been more yellows, but I, I wanted to give a shout out to Vince La Rosa uh, because he's been saying that refs need to be more consistent. And once a, a player has a, a yellow already, um, refs are a little shy to give that second yellow. But the last two matches, due to the other teams being aggressive and fouling quite a bit and issuing those yellows early on, the referees haven't been shy, and we've gotten a red card in both those games. So hopefully, you know, for this upcoming match, if uh, New York City FC decides to to take a similar tactic, um, that that continues to be the case. Um, but you know, one thing that we wanted to point out again, you know, once uh, Diamande came on the 65th minute, he made quite game the changer. impact. He made it was a game changer. I mean, he came on, he made his presence known, and 
again, scored another goal. This guy is super efficient, and if if he's not starting because of his fitness, then I can't wait to see what he's actually like when he is fit and he's able to start a match. And we'll see that soon, actually, because we just found out, too, that uh, Christian Ramirez is getting called up to the U.S. men's national team, and that's that he's going to more than likely miss the RSL game on the 23rd. And we also... Um, Got a call-up for Mark Anthony K for the Canadian national team. He also is going to probably miss the RSL game. And there's a very high likelihood that uh, Peter Lee Vassell will play for Jamaica on this international break. And also El Munir, El Munir will get called up and play for Libya. So we could be down four players. Uh, granted, El Munir hasn't played and Peter Lee Vassell comes in as a sub. But still, the tactics will have to be changed a little bit and the dynamic is is going to be uh, slightly different, and, and that'll be good. You know, we'll be able to see how good of our depth we actually do have. Yeah, no, I guess it's it's a, a blessing and a curse how, how good a team we have because the national teams recognize that, and they're, they're going to call them up. So uh, one and thing, I was going to say, one thing that we're lucky about this, at least in this round of uh, international call-ups, is that Vela uh, stayed. Absolutely. And, and so did Rossi. Um, so... Uh, you know, Uruguay and Mexico don't need them yet, so that's good for us early on in the season. Yeah, but to uh, continue on the giving shout-out trend, uh, earlier this week, Christian and I were brought on to Blue City Radio, which is a podcast hosted by three gentlemen for that are fans of the New York City FC. And, um, of course, LAFC is playing NYCFC this upcoming Sunday on St. Patty's Day in New York. And uh, they asked us to come on to talk about tactics and what we expected to uh, see in the match upcoming this weekend. And so if you guys are interested in listening to that, you can follow them on social media at Blue City Radio or you can listen to their podcast. Uh, we found it on iTunes, but I'm sure they're probably on other forums. But yeah. uh, we're we're pretty much on between the 26th and 56th minute. So it's a short little segment. You can hear us uh, talk about the club and what we liked about the club and the things that attracted us um to LAFC and and also the tactics that they've been playing since last year and early on this year and how that um style is going to not change in our opinion when they go to New York City um what kinds of overloads are going to cause and then uh, you know who who the featured players are going to be and then uh we mentioned a little bit about Carlos Vela and a twist of being in the MLS team of the week so and I think unlocking our team will be trying to get around uh, a twist if that even happens. And, uh, you know, I think that also it's it's it really is going to be the midfielders. Whoever is able to uh, control the midfield is going to be able to dictate the match. But uh, And then we have one more shout-out that we want to give out before we get into this interview with Lord Commander. Is uh, a shout-out to our fellow LAFC podcast family, Defenders of the Bank, uh, Christian and JR, or Philly and the Scarf, as they're better known. Uh, we just wanted to say, you know, they gave us a shout-out on their last episode, episode 10, uh, before we had our interview with Sticks. And uh, if you're interested in that, you can also check out that episode 006 on our podcast on iTunes, Google, Spot, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Um, but uh, we had an interview with Sticks, and that was a really good episode, and they gave us a shout-out on their podcast to have their listeners go and Take a listen to ours because uh, they really enjoyed the content that we did with Sticks, And uh, we also wanted to mention that the scarf is actually having a scarf made uh, for the club. Uh, he has a large collection of scarves and that uh, his personal, personally designed LAFC scarf is going to be coming out a week from today, Wednesday, 
the 20th of March, and uh, that actually is JR's birthday. So if you see him at the bank at the HQ next Wednesday, make sure you give him a big old hug and say happy birthday. Yeah, big ups to the, to the, to the collaboration on that scarf, and uh, I hope it sells well. I'm sure it's going to show sell like hotcakes because sure uh, he has a great taste in scarves. I know yeah, that. I, I bet you it's going to be a limited run. You know yeah. how they – it seems like the club likes to do their limited runs. I got one of the St. Paddy's Day uh, scarves that they had out this past Saturday, which uh, – I think is now my new favorite scarf. Oh, very nice. But uh, anyways, so let's uh, get into this interview, and uh, thank you again, Ricardo, for being here. Oh, well, uh, as I said before, I'm honored to help tell the story, if you will. Anything that has to do with LASC, my beloved black and gold, I'm all for that. Absolutely, and so are <laughs> we. We are sitting here trying to... Uh, tell everybody's story one at a time and uh you know this is going to be a great episode um yeah no we're really looking forward to it uh we appreciate you coming from palmdale um i know that's a long drive and uh everyone's making exceptions for us so we appreciate the support that um the, the guests are giving us coming to shoulder to shoulder studios or s2s studios so um so why don't we just uh start it off uh nice and easy why don't you tell us how you first heard about LAFC and, and what it, how did that make you feel when you found out that LA was getting a club again? Well, uh, it was uh, quite interesting because we knew Chivas USA was about to die. But Mr. Don Garver came to us and told us, worry not, within a few days you have a team that is worthy of the city of Los Angeles. So, of course, when I heard the announcement, I said, man, Mr. Garver, you deliver and I thank you forever. Uh, it filled me with joy and hope because I, it was an opportunity to be a part of LAFC history from day one. I mean, not that many uh, people have that chance. Look at the Dodgers. Only those who's, who saw them f several decades ago, the Rams, the, uh, the Kings, the Lakers. But in this new, rel relatively new league, I mean, it's a, it was a great opportunity and boy, I'm loving it. Now, now that's an interesting fact that you say that, you know, because I know that the timing from when Chivas USA ended and LAFC began was very small. But to, you know, I, I had never actually realized that, that that window was actually so small in between when, um, you know, the uh, MLS commissioner knew that, that there was going to be another club. That's I, I mean, I think that that's fascinating to hear, you know, because it, it was one one club was coming to the end of its life and there was going to be a new one beginning. And it's, you know, I wonder what that process was like for them to say, okay, hey, we're just going to totally stop having one club and start having another one when, I mean, if they really wanted to, they could have considered moving Chivas USA or, or and maybe it was something to do with the ownership of that club. I'm not sure, but it's just I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that Don Garber didn't think um, that the city – should not have two teams. It should have two teams because it's so many people here that support the sport. So it made you feel good, right? Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Yes, because we were we were actually uh, very concerned about that. And I know none of us, the remaining Chivas USA fans, we were not going to support the Galaxy. Uh, I respect their five titles and whatever they have accomplished, but we we were not about to go go to them. So in essence, we were ready to basically stay home and watch. Uh, the English League or Sp Spanish League, but uh, those were great news, and my God, I mean, we are here today. 
You know, and, and, and actually, we should have talked about this before we started the interview. For some of you that don't know, Lord Commander is a very noticeable uh, persona in the North End, the 3252. You'll see him on the drum and bass line. You'll, he usually is wearing um, military fatigues, combat boots. He'll have a beret. It's uh, burgundy, is that correct, the beret? Uh, it varies. It varies uh, depend on, uh, on, on the outfit, on the color of the fatigues, and everything has a meaning, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, some of those berets were gifts from fellow uh, soldiers, not only from the U.S. Army, but also from other countries as well. So everything that you see me uh, wearing has a meaning. And and uh, were you in the military? Yes. And is that uh, and what what branch of service? Army. Uh, well, thank you very much for your service. I appreciate that. How many years? I did a total of uh, give and take eight years. Eight years, yeah. I was, uh, I was in the Navy. Uh, I was a CB in the Navy, so it's, you know, it's awesome to, uh, you know, yeah. meet fellow military personnel. Yeah, no, much respect to to our armed forces, um, and the fact, uh, I think, or it stands out that you bring that kind of leadership into the North End, um, and you know, you show up and you have commitment to the club, and I think that's shown from shown from day one. Because it's it's meaningful when you uh, put a group together um, and have the same goal, and I think um, it comes through uh, from the supporters section, the thirty two fifty two. Now, did you dress like that when you were supporting uh, Chivas USA? Uh, that is a very interesting uh, question, and the answer will be even more interesting. I used to come as a regular civilian back in the Chivas USA days, and uh, the the first time that Chivas USA made the playoffs, we we read or heard that uh, Houston fans, because we were going to face a Houston Dynamo, we heard that the Batallon was coming to take over L.A. Uh So when I heard that, I kind of started laughing and said, well, if the Batallon comes, here comes our commander. (laughs) So that actually made me put on my fatigue for the first time, Uh, basically a full full military fatigue. Uh, The beret, well, yeah, the beret, because I'm... I'm a former paratrooper, um, but uh, not nothing, nothing out of the, the ordinary. But I guess the Houston supporter group, the the Batallon, had to do a lot with uh, my my code name. Yeah. And for those who don't know, the uh, paratrooper uh, group in the army, they wear the the burgundy berets. Right. Much, re- much respect, much respect to that. But I I I wear it only because a friend of mine gave it to me. But no, I did not earn that. That one, um, I belong to the 18. Well, back then to the 18th division, the cooks. No, oh. but much respect to the 82nd. Much respect to the 101st, to the special forces. And so then, how did you? I mean, what? How did you come up with the name actually of Lord Commander? Uh, and the Chivas USA, I used to call myself, or the people used to call me Comandante Cero Cero because I looked the double zero uh, because of my, of my military background. Uh, when LAFC came about, I decided to make a, a change uh, to my name. I love Lord Raiden from Mortal Kombat, so I decided to keep the Lord. And Commander, uh, basically, it's, it's uh, translated in English, Comandante. Yeah. So that's that's why I, I am known as Lord Commander. So it's you're saying your, your character's name was Comandante before with Chivas USA. Yes. So... You you meshed the character from Street Fighter, you said? Uh, no, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Me. Mortal Kombat. And then added and just translated it. Yes. Oh, Which right. seems to be a running theme with the District 9 Ultras because they took part of their history from the Chivas USA days mm-hmm. and they kept that 
And, you know, like we uh, talked about just before we started airing is the Chivas USA days are, they are a, a bit of the history of some of the LAFC. And, yeah. and, you know, those are things that we need to make sure that are remembered. Yeah, I think there's a, it's a foundation of some of the supporter groups, right? They didn't. They didn't. They felt like they didn't have a home, and then a new home was created for them, and they were part of building that home as well. So, why don't you talk about that? Like the those that were part of the uh, Union Ultras previously, mm-hmm. um, and did you guys immediately start the conversations um, once the Don Garber spoke to you guys, or once LAFC was announced? And how did you guys get involved? Well, actually, we we started making contact with. Uh, our great uh, Patrick from LAFC, uh, Rich Orozco. They were very receptive, very inquisitive. Uh, they were wondering. They were. I noticed a little bit of uh, how can I say hesitation on their part because they did not want to be connected to Chivas USA at all. Mm-hmm. And I can't blame them. I mean, I would I would have done the same thing. But I guess later they realized that we we meant well the way we we see things uh, regarding this group. Our experience was vast. I mean, we had several years of experience. Uh, so they probably realized that they could use that experience. Um, we basically, we don't, as supporters, we don't even watch the game. To us, a game does not last 90 minutes. To, to us, a game lasts six days, 23 hours, 59 minutes, and 59 seconds. We only get a second rest <laughs> from the moment. The referee calls out the game. We take that second of pause, and the game already started by the for by the, the next one. By the next one. Oh, I like that approach. So, so you think you're saying that the thirty-two fifty-two, or at least your mentality is that you guys are living, breathing, thinking about it, and supporting your team, even in even when you're not in the thirty-two fifty-two, even though you're not at the stands or at the Bank of California Stadium. Uh, yes, that's that is correct, and I I think I can speak for all of the groups now. Uh, each have their own their own ideas, but when it comes to the game or prior to the game, there are there are a lot, and I can't be prouder. In uh, in the D9U, we have this oath: uh, win or lose, we support; rain or shine, we support; to the last moment, to the last member, we support; through adversity, we support even more. And I like. I would like to extend that to the, thir- the thirty-two fifty-two, and it has clearly shown that. Although I, I have not mentioned it in full, because I don't want to impose on, on my on my brothers. Let's say from the other groups, the Cuervos, the Black Army, uh, the Armada. But uh, even though it's not there, I mean, the world can see that is there. Oh I no, mean, definitely. The rain did not stop us. The adversity does not stop us. We continue chanting, without stopping. So, so you, you're saying that this experience that you brought to the table when Rich and the rest of the LAFC, Rich and Pat and the rest of the group at LAFC, initially they were apprehensive, but then because of your experience and your passion, it was a new beginning for both the supporters and for this team that was trying to establish this culture-first culture first mentality um, to build something different than what already existed here in the, in a, in the LA area. Uh, that's affirmative. That's affirmative, not only from Rich and Pat, but even in the ownership. I mean, it's incredible how kind they are. Very, very kind, very down-to-earth. I mean, they are millionaires. I mean, they have people that are he- Absolutely. He- heavy, <coughs> stars, I mean, all of that. But yet they are so humble, so humble towards anyone. And, and not just one time. Every time we have 
issues with them or Interactions. we have contact with them. Yeah. My God, it's it's like like I'm talking to the both of you right now. Right. Yeah. No, that I mean the people, the ownership, and the representatives that make the interface with the fans. I don't feel like I've ever heard a complaint or experienced anything personally where I would say that I felt disrespected or rude. It's, I mean, it's very uncommon. I feel like with an organization that's as big as a professional team. Um, but speaking of, you know, being part of the early interactions, um, you know, what actions did the club make that made you feel like you were? Uh, being taken into account and, and had an actual influence in LAFC and the building of this club? The first contact that we made directly with uh, with the ownership, I'm talking about uh, the Union Ultras, uh, it was in Santa Monica. We met Mr. Henry Nguyen, Mr. Tom Penn, Patrick was there, Richard was there, and other executives. And there are many things, but this one stuck in my mind in particular. Mr. Henry Nguyen, Asked me. Uh, he came to me and, and asked me, "Can I ask you a question?" And I say, "Yes, Mr. Ren." Says, first, don't call me Mr. Ren. You can call me Henry." So I mean, that yeah, broke the ice. Yeah. And I go, you know what? Well, um, then perhaps you can call me Richard instead of a uh, commander. <laughs> okay, Rich. So he asked me, "What can I do to make this whole thing work?" And I said, "What the very first thing." is to build a stadium in L.A. and nowhere else. Absolutely. Because you have to take uh, the Carson factor out of out of the equation. And the only way that can be done is to build our home somewhere in L.A. Mm-hmm. Little did I know, but I, I didn't even have the sports arena in mind. I just needed, they needed to be, the stadium needed to be in L.A. So he took, uh, he took no, no notes of that. And uh, he also was asking us about the name. What name would you like for the team? He was hoping to add United, like LAFC United, to me and to the ones that were there. LAFC was unanimous, the unanimous choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, uh, that's what stuck in my mind the most. Um, we had, <coughs> we had uh, meetings afterwards. As far as the building of the stadium and so forth, went to Gensler, blah, blah, blah. We had a few, we, we went to the hearings with the LA Commission to either approve of the, of the United Stadium uh, project. We actually had to convince a lot, of the, a lot of the people that lived there. They didn't want the stadium. They thought that the rent was going to go up, many things. Mm-hmm. So we had to kind of plead with the people. It was basically, I told them, it's plain and simple, scooping up. Uh, scooping out one building and putting a brand new one. No difference. Right. So after that, the people became more receptive, more uh, more uh, positive about the project. If, I guess if we were a fly on the wall in those meetings, you know, what was what was the the sense of how those meetings went? Was it very collaborative? Was everyone shooting out ideas? Um, like, how did it make you feel to to actually you know go to Gensler? Or go to the to the city hall uh, to talk to these uh, people and uh, feel like you're actually, you know, uh, putting your influence or your thoughts and ideas into something that now is realized and it's actually down the street uh, from downtown Los Angeles. Uh, before getting into the the conference or the hearings with sure. the LA Commission, 
they were very, of course, very sincere, very genuine, the ownership, the executive board, and so forth. Um, and they were very interested in the stories we had to tell, each and every one, just like I'm here right now, basically they had that conversation with us at the same time, um, very inquisitive about our perspective. As I said, the game for us is not a 90-minute affair like for most fans, and that's, I respect that. Uh, they were actually uh, astonished when we when we said that. Um, they were amazed of how and why we so vehemently support. We don't care if we are down by 100 and we don't care if we finish last. We will definitely expect the best from our players, from our, from our uh, ownership, from the staff, but we will never put it on a keyboard, never. We'll just do it face-to-face. -face. But that's underneath. During the game, we have to support. On the, and they were, they were actually wondering, wow, how can that be? Because for the most part, a lot of people, a lot of fans of the sport, they're ambulance chasers. Right. Their team don't, they don't win, they don't show up. Well, us, that's for the fans, and I respect that. But for the supporter, we must show up no matter if we're dead last. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think that there's, because we've done culture first with this club, I think that it's going to be something where you aren't going to have fans that are willy-nilly or take it lightly. These are going to be uh, people that are emotionally invested in this club, and so that's how you get long-term fans. Right. Um, so as a, as a supporter from the from the ground floor, you know, why do you feel like you were elected to be the vice president of the 3252 in its in the first year? I believe it's fate. But there's history about that too. <clears throat> Back in the Chivas USA days, there was this person, this great person, a uh, German named uh, Dr. Joseph Soccer. We I <laughs> I like to call him a uh, our founding father. He is a father of the uh, first president of 3252, Joseph Zachar from, from, from the Black Army. Okay. Before they were the Black Army, they were part of us. But they decided to create their own group, and they were very, very, um, very uh, um, hardcore supporters, very uh, loyal and Passionate. all that. So his dream was to see a large group whether it was one group or many groups united to support, in this case, Chivas USA or any team, because I think he probably saw what was coming. Mm -hmm. uh, he was very, uh, very uh, assertive, and uh, I do believe that we are living his dream. He's not here. Have a rest in peace. But his wives and his sons and his grandsons and so forth. But I think it's faith. I think somehow... He made a deal with God or the angel <laughs> that led Joseph uh, to be elected as president and myself as vice president. And I truly believe we are living his dream. And I am no longer the vice president because we had elections. Right. I right. did not run for re-election. I figured that I, I put in my time. Now it's time for me to concentrate on what I do. Basically, along with a drum line, I go around the section to, cut, to uh, encourage support. You know, and uh, you you mentioned, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm sure you've met a lot of people in your time with LAFC, but I remember the first time that I met you, and that was at the 3252 announcement, 
uh, in the arts district in downtown LA. I brought my son, who at the time was two, and he uh, saw the drums. And I remember that he went 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 over to you and the other people that were on the drum line, and you actually let went let knelt down and let my son tap on your drums for a couple of minutes. And I, you know, I thought that that was an amazing thing. My son was so overjoyed, and so that was the first time that I actually had met you. And you know, I it was just it was a very memorable moment for myself. And you know, I wanted to, I've never had an opportunity to actually say thank you for that, but thank you. My pleasure. It's it's got to be done. I mean. You cannot tell no to a child or to anyone for that matter, especially when, when they want to do something, yeah. something that at that time they need to do. No, yeah, they have the enthusiasm. Yeah. And going back to what you said about Black Army and uh, District Nine Ultras, I, and I think it was very fitting, you know, for like you said, both of you and Joseph being the president and vice president. And I think um, you guys uh, did a great job in leading the 3252 for the first year and now allowing the other groups to. To all to run, and then you know they're going to be successful because they've put in the work along with you guys and seen how things have been done before the team was created, and then even last year. I mean, it's infectious when you're at 3252. Um, what you guys put out into the stadium, everyone else is doing it now. Like this last this last game against Portland Timbers this past weekend, you had Will Ferrell doing the jump for LA Football Club. How does that happen? You know, it doesn't it doesn't happen just by chance. It doesn't happen unless there's a whole area that's committed to doing this now the rest of the stadium is doing it. i sit up in 227 in the opposite corner and there's people doing it there you know what i mean i know that there's people where uh, here chris sits yeah in the figaro club that they were they were doing the same thing where it's it's a very very um contagious uh atmosphere and we know that's not all you guys do right there's stuff that you guys do in the community as supporter groups um you you're part of the drum line so you know, what, why don't you talk a little bit about um, a couple things, like your Lord Commander, and I wanted to ask you about the drumline, but also first, before you jump into that, your logo. Who created that logo? Is it inspired also by Mortal Kombat? Is it inspired by the Army? You know, walk us through the creation of that. Well, uh, I will not take full credit for that. No, no, no. I, I can design a little bit, but no. Um, I saw a template that I modified. Um, i always been fascinated by Archangel Michael. And I figured since I saw LA, the L.A. low with that wing, I, w- I wish at that time I w- we would call ourselves the Archangel because I like the Avenging Angel and his sword. Um, the sword, because of the Avenging Angel and also because in, in the Army on, on, on very formal occasions, and, and you've probably done it, we wear a sword. Yes. We, That's part but, of the uh, Class 1 uniform. Yeah, that Class 1. Uh, so anyway, I just modified uh, the wing a little bit. Not At that time, we could not do anything even close to, to the logo. They would tell us, don't. You cannot do it. Now we could, but now. So I had to do do a little tweak on that uh, template as far as, as, far as that, uh, the wings. And that sword, it was inspired by by the the Spanish, um, how can I say, poker uh, card game. Mm-hmm. I uh, I I did that that sword on on um, uh, not Photoshop, but the other cheap program. Paint that that, that one. Uh, basically, I copied it, uh, but I I added a few a few effects to that sword, and uh, that's basically it. It's a combination of ideas based on 
Archangel Michael and his Avenging Angel status with a sword. That's that's mine. Awesome. Uh, and jumping back into you know the drum line, um, so you know I think a lot of the league in the country that follows football or soccer um, was surprised how coordinated the 3252 was, like the drumming, the chants. So why don't you talk about how people that are in 3252 join the drum line or if they're interested to join the drum line, what they have to do? Or did you guys practice often to, you know, hit the ground running from day one? Um, the first thing, anybody who wants to do, join the drum line or anybody that's in the drum, uh, drum line, if you are looking to be in the headlines, if you are looking to be interviewed, if you are looking to make the, the screen during the game, it's not going to happen in the drum line because we are the heartbeat of the 3252. We are the heart, and you don't see the heart unless you're actually an x-ray machine, but you can hear it. So anybody that wants to join us, they need to get that squared away. We don't get any perks. We get no recognition, but that's fine. We don't want recognition. We just want to be the beat. So anybody that would like to join, they have to have that in mind. Because for the most part, when they think 3252, they think of the capos or mm-hmm. the people up front or whatever. But hardly the drum line. And that's fine. Uh, our drum line is unique because we implemented the wewetls, the ancient ancient drums, uh, ancient Aztec drums, the wewetl, and the teponastli. Sometimes one day they'll bring that teponastli. Uh, but for the most part, the wewetls. And uh, the drummers that you see is because we have several groups, and each group has their drummer. So it's basically uh, com- uh, all those drummers combined. They are rehearsal for the most part every Friday at uh, um, Free Play oh. on, on, um, on, the, on top of the HQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are rehearsals, and before that, we used to do um, we used to do rallies. But some, there's something that we used to do. We would gather, but for the most part, those chants are very easy. I mean, we're going to compare ourselves to the high school drum lines or college drum lines. Only a very few of our members would actually uh, cut the muster, if you will. Most of us wouldn't. So it's interesting, though. Like, so in the middle of a of a game, in the middle of a match they want to start a new chant, how do they notify you guys of the chant that they're going to do so that you know to transition to a different song? Uh, it's a good question. Very interesting. We have three great, uh, three three couples, uh-huh. or three couple stands. The one in the middle, that's usually uh, our brother Chiquilin from the Cuervos. Mm-hmm. He has a list by number, by number. The couples on the other side, uh, uh, the 105 and, and the 103, they also have the same list. And... The same list is also uh, at the drum line. Whoever is doing the big bass drum has mm-hmm. that list. So basically, it's hand signals. Chant, let's say chant number six. Mm. Okay. So based on that, all we need to hear, we already know. And that's why we don't want to have too many chants. Yeah. At least we, we, we started with what, about, uh, about 18 to start. And we're trying to uh, bring new ones, but not too many at the same time. Mm-hmm. Just maybe two or three per year. But uh, that's 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 what it is. It's eye, eye and hand coordination. I mean, you got to give it to the couples. Oh, they, yeah. They are, to they coordinate are themselves like that is essential. amazing. I, yeah. I, I mean, we have 
you know, yet to be able to actually interview someone who's on the couple stand, which we have intentions to, but I can't wait for that interview too, just to say, you know, hey, how do you coordinate with the other two couples next to you mm-hmm. so that you guys are on the same page? And, yep. you know, it's, I mean, there is a lot of coordination. And I think that that's also part of the reason why there are so many people that are uh, enamored with the 3252 because it's, it's, it's a one big organized group during a match. And to get that many people to do everything together is amazing yeah no there's there's almost two shows on the field right um i'm mean, not at the field uh in there's the two shows in the stadium mm-hmm. the, the beautiful football that our team's playing one and then the 3252 and the atmosphere they bring like i feel like you're overwhelmed with ex- an experience uh you have two things to almost you you can pay attention to if you really wanted to but when they're together it's this you know this magical thing and it gives you a magical feeling and when there's a goal the 3252 erupts and then the stadium erupts and it's you know it's it's something you can't explain until you actually go to a match and i'm if if i can can begin a few seconds i would like to say this um lafc they need every component but i personally believe that even though there are 19,000 fans are maybe shy or they don't want to make noise we need them the most LAC can survive without the 3252 because there's only 3,200 of us. But imagine none of those 19,000, the rest of the fans, it would die within a few weeks. So that's what I, I say. We need those 19,000 fans. Whether they help or not, we need them there. And I have the utmost respect for all those fans. We need them, and uh, we want you. We want you and the stands. And if you want to join us, by all means, help us out. And if you, if you just watch the game, we'll respect you for that too. But we need those fans. I think it's complimentary, though, because the the noise and the chants that you guys create, you know, the drum light, the heartbeat, and the, the actual chanting by the 3252, it causes people that are there to just maybe watch the game to act differently because now you see 3,252 people being enthusiastic about it, watching the game, uh, plus that makes you want to participate in one way and it could be just clapping or just chanting not as loud but then if everyone's chanting in a certain way then the whole stadium is loud and you know that's what you feel when you're at the stadium so do you have any uh bold predictions for uh 2019 uh for lafc it's it's hard to make one uh, predictions regarding that yes our club got deeper uh a few players left but we got uh new players we got deeper on every every position but the rest of the MLS clubs got stronger as well. So it's hard to make a bold prediction, but there's one I, I can make. It's not about LAC, but it's about 3252. Last season, we took the MLS by storm. I know there's going to be a few people with that will disagree, but I know we did. This year, we will be the best. And why? Because unlike other prominent support group members, they rely on their TIFO to somehow astonish the ingenuous media and fans. Ooh, wow. But guess what? That only lasts a minute or two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the cheering that lasts the, yeah. the whole the whole match is the support. Yeah. And some of those that will astonish everyone with those tifos, if you truly add the minutes per game that they actually chant they don't chant 90. They don't even come close to 70 because there's too many passes because they also like to hang out. So they use the TIFOs to kind of divert the attention. 
Well, I believe that we can do both. We can do a TIFO here and there, but as everybody is seeing, we do support 90-plus nonstop. And that's ultimately what counts the most. Right, the and you know, I think that if you look at the supporter sections from the major the most notable supporter sections around the world, it's the ones that, uh, it's the actions during the match, more so than, like you said, the TIFOs. You know, it, like you say, though, in the MLS, there are supporters that are looking to wow the internet with their TIFOs, but if you look at the ones that are the most successful globally, it's the ones that do the action for during the match more so. Um, so, you know, what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you? The phrase that, that now is, is almost like a backbone phrase for this club. What does shoulder to shoulder mean to you? Well, I respect everybody's point of view. Um, most people in the media, they see LAFC as 11 players on the pitch. Me, this is my personal opinion. I see LAFC as a group of many elements. Number one, the players. Number two, coaching staff medical staff, front office staff, executive members of the board, the ownership, the academy and staff, the fans, and the supporters. So there are several elements doing their part for a greater cause, and that is to promote the game through a positive approach to create the electric atmosphere on a gamely basis for the world to see and for everyone to enjoy. That's how I see the shoulder to shoulder. No component is better than the other. Each of the components, each element is equally as important, just like the hand. There's no finger better than others. United, it creates something. Yeah. It creates a force. So that's that's how I see things. That's, that's what I see on shoulder to shoulder. There's friendship. There's harmony. At least during those 90 minutes, there's harmony. We have our one common interest, and that is to provide all-out support. So I think you've given a lot of reasons um, for this question, but, you know, why, why LAFC? Um, well, <laughs> it goes back to basic what I said. For the most part, when it was announced, many people in social media asked me, how can you love, how can you support something that does not exist? And this was my answer. You know what? When my wife was pregnant, I didn't see my son. But I, I loved him wow. nine months before he was born. And my other son as well. I didn't have to see him to love him. LASC is the same thing. When The first thing I saw, two, four letters. But we, we were given a chance to make that grow day by day, block by block, person by person, shoulder to shoulder. So that's that's why I see. Most people say it, they don't exist. Well, maybe maybe in their point of view, they don't. To me, it already existed because the owners were there. Patrick was there. Rich was there. Uh, some of the staff members were there. We didn't have 11 players, but they were already there. How about the academy? They played the first game of LASC bearing that black jersey. So the team already existed, only different components. How about the, the supporter groups? They were forming. They were recruiting. So we are part of the team. So that's unlike the media and the fans that all, all they see is 11 players, that's only one component, one out of many. 
I I love that. That was I, a fantastic answer. I think that's <laughs> I, that the analogy of comparing it to uh, you know an unborn child in the womb. That you're absolutely right. That doesn't mean that you love them any less because they're not physically here right now. It's it's the idea of them when they do actually come to fruition. I, I yeah. I'm never gonna forget that analogy when it comes to anyone who talks about the amount of support that this club had before there was actually the ball dropping on the field. It's that's amazing. I'm gonna take that with me for the rest of my life. Thank you. That I, that's awesome. That was great. Um, um but you know what? We are uh, pretty much gonna wrap up here for today. We just wanted to say thank you very much, Ricardo, for driving out here again. Uh, and remember to uh, make sure you follow us on social media uh, at LAFCS2S, or you can email Christian or I uh, at our email addresses. Mine is Chris at LAFCS2S. Dot com and Christians is Christian at LAFCS2S.com. And be sure to also check out our sponsor. Um, our sponsor is Relegation Rebels and their uh, Instagram Instagram handle. Thank you. Their Instagram handle is at Relegation Rebels. And you can check out their shirts. Use our code LAFCS2S to get 15% off your purchase. They do have the black and gold Los Angeles shirts with the Relegation Rebels uh uh, patch on the front with the rebels and number 12 on the back so be sure to check them out and uh we will be seeing uh well we will be watching our team from afar this upcoming weekend when they take on nycfc in new york on saint patty's day so uh if you have your green lafc hat make sure you break it out <laughs> <laughs>